Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. This is episode 51, and you can find everything we talk about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M 51. And I was planning on recording an episode yesterday to go through the first part of Mosiah 4, and I ran out of time. I was helping my my kids with a few things before work and just did not get to recording it. So we're going to do the entire chapter today, hopefully as quickly as possible. Um, But there's a lot to cover. So in Mosiah 4, this is right after the people... um, well, actually, at the beginning of Mosiah 4 is where the people um, fall to the earth for the fear of the Lord uh, has come upon them. So Mosiah has just shared this revelation that he received, this vision he received, this visitation from an angel. And it says that they uh, viewed themselves in their own carnal state even less than the dust of the earth. It says they cried out, they cried aloud with one voice saying, Oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified for we believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God. And then in verse three, it says it came to pass after they had spoken these words, the spirit of the Lord came upon them and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins. And right here, I, I noticed that it's, you know, faith and repentance preceded the remission of their sins. So the first principle of the ord- and ordinances of the gospel are alive and well in Mosiah 4. Uh, which I didn't doubt, but it was interesting to notice it nonetheless. And also, you know, it says they felt the Spirit. If they'd already been baptized, this would have been like for us taking the sacrament, you know, a time where they receive a forgiveness of their sins and the Spirit returns in order to seal the renewing of the covenant that they had previously made. Now, if they hadn't made it yet, obviously they would at some point have to be baptized in order to then have that opportunity to have the Spirit. Um, and that would have been the, the next logical step, but, um, they felt the spirit at this time. Although now that I'm thinking about it, that might've been a little bit of false doctrines. I don't know that the gift of the Holy ghost was available until after Christ's resurrection and the day of Pentecost. So don't hold me on that. Uh, but anyways, faith and repentance preceded the remission of their sins and they're feeling the spirit. So I think that's the important part to notice. And then it says that King Benjamin, after they said these things was, I think happy, I would assume. And then he says, if the knowledge of the goodness of God at this time has awakened you to a sense of your nothingness and your worthless and fallen state. um, And then he goes on. But as I read that, I thought to myself, okay, I think it's important to clarify for myself that 
this isn't a nothingness and a sense of sense of worthless and fallen state in the sense of self-loathing or low self-esteem. It's a it's the idea of having a humble reliance on God and a recognition of of really where our strength and our abilities and the things that we have come from and that it is from God. And I think that's the key there. You know, it's not like God wants us to feel bad for ourselves and think that we're terrible people and not believe in ourselves. I think it's that we have to have that reliance on God. We have to have that faith and reliance on God. So in Mosiah 9 and 10, King Benjamin gives us several things for us to believe in. He he talks about the atonement, and then he says, you know, there's another one of those great verses. This is the means in verse 8. This is the means whereby salvation cometh. There is none other salvation save this which hath been spoken of. Neither are there any conditions whereby man can be saved except the conditions I have told you. Then he gives us some things to believe in. And I made a note of a couple of these because I think they mean something a little bit different than when you first read them. Uh, So first, believe in God. Believe that he is. Okay. Believe that he created all things. Believe that he hath all wisdom. And I think there, when I read that, what what I read into it was believe that he has all wisdom, including what is best for us, what is best for me. Um, believe that he hath all, all power, both in heaven and in earth. So there, you know, believe that he has all power, including the power to sustain, protect, and to save us, to save me. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend. So meaning we need to trust him. We need to have faith. We need to believe that just because we don't understand something doesn't mean that is not the case or doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it if we're commanded to do it. We need to have faith. And then in verse 10, again, believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. So we need to repent. We need to change. We need to not you know, forsake those sins. We need to be humble. And then we need to pray and ask for forgiveness. And then this phrase, which I thought was awesome. Now, if you believe all these things, see that ye do them. So don't just believe them. Actually do it. Apply it in your life. Make it cause a change in who you are. And then in verse 11, this reminded me of Alma chapter 5. And I actually need to remember to add that to the show notes. Because in verse 11, he says, um, as you have come to the knowledge of the glory of God, or have tasted of his, or or if you have known of his goodness and have tasted of his love and have received the remission of your sins, which caused causeth such exceeding great joy in your souls, even so I would that ye should remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God and your own nothingness and his goodness and long suffering towards you, unworthy creatures. So this this idea of remembering and retaining in remembrance. And then he says at the end of verse 11, humble yourselves even in the depths of humility, humility, calling upon calling on the name of the Lord daily and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come. So there's a few phrases in there that really stuck out to me. Um, not just calling upon the name of the Lord, but calling upon it daily and standing steadfastly in the faith. Not just standing in the faith, standing steadfastly. And as I read that, what came to my mind was this idea of ongoing and consistent action. Um, you know, I... It, it made me think of Alma 5, you know, when, when um, Alma's talking to people and he says, you know, if you have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, 
can you feel so now? You know, is it still with you? Are you still feeling that? And what I thought was, you know, to experience the full benefits and blessings of the gospel, to experience the fullness of what the gospel has for us, it requires ongoing and consistent spiritual experiences. You know, in the in the uh, in the overarching theme of things, um, having a single spiritual experience is relatively easy. It's it's not real hard. The challenge is continuing to have them. The challenge is continuing to grow and continuing to seek the Spirit, continuing to seek guidance from the Spirit. That's where it's hard. You know, I and and I, I was thinking about that because. You know, I've asked myself many times, why is it that some people join the church and stay and other people's other people join the church and then fall away? And, you know, I, I kind of asked myself, I'm like, why did I stay? What was so special about me? And I don't think there's anything special necessarily, but what happened in my conversion that allowed me to still be faithful in the church, still be strong in the church here, you know, 17 years after I was baptized, um, you know, having served a mission and married in the temple and served in callings and doing all these things. And then some people join the church and they're on fire, but then that fire fades and they fall away. <clears throat> and I don't know the answer fully, but I think it has to do with spiritual experiences. I think it has to do with having ongoing and consistent spiritual experiences, which come from ongoing and consistent action and taking action on the gospel and and acting upon the things that we're taught and the things that we learn. And if we do that, we then will have um, those ongoing and consistent spiritual experiences. And I really think it's experiences with the Spirit that keep people in the gospel. It's having those consistent spiritual experiences. Um, and I think it takes effort. You know, like I said, it's, it's much easier to uh, meet with the missionaries and say, yep, I believe that it's true. And, uh, you know, everybody's being nice to you and they're, they're fellowshipping you and inviting you over to the house for dinner and coming to your baptism and saying hi to you when you attend church. It's a lot harder three, six, nine months later, two, three years later, when you're not the new person anymore. And there isn't that overwhelming love and support. There's still support. There's still love. People still care about you and say hi to you, but it's not as concerted as it once was, that's when it gets hard. Are you there for the right reasons or are you there because people wanted you, you made people made you feel good? And I think that's the key. You know, like President Nelson said in conference, the Lord loves effort. He loves effort. And that is the key to long-term joy and happiness. It's it's having that effort, that that consistent effort, that ongoing effort that allows you to have ongoing spiritual experiences. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna jump over this a little bit quickly. Uh, maybe I'll share it in on Instagram in my stories or something. But um, Mosiah verses 12 through 16 lists the blessings that come from ongoing and consistent effort. You know, he lists all the things that we'll have. Um, you know, I'll just highlight a few of them: filled with the love of God, uh, remain retain and remission of your sins, grow in your knowledge of the glory of Him that created you, so on and so forth. And then we get to where. King Benjamin is talking about how to serve the poor and how to um, share your substance. And in verse sixteen, he he said he he starts it by saying, you know, you yourselves will succor those that stand in need of your succor. You will administer of your substance unto those that, unto him that standeth in need. You will not suffer the beggar 
that the beggar putteth up his position to you in vain and turn him out to perish. And then there's this verse that that always condemns me. I always feel like I could do better here. I'm not a terrible person, but I have had these thoughts. And King Benjamin says this. He says, perhaps thou shalt say, Mark, perhaps you will say, perhaps you do say sometimes, the man has brought upon himself his misery. Therefore, I will stay my hand and will not give unto him of my substance, nor impart unto him of my substance, that he may not suffer, or that he may, yeah, or impart upon unto him of my substance, that he may not suffer, for his punishments are just. I've thought that before. Sadly, um, you know, I think all of us have at times. We look at somebody and we say, well, yeah, but, you know, they deserve it. You know, they, they've done this to themselves. I've heard people, no joke, I've heard people in board councils say this. And it is a very fine line. It really is. And it's tough because it's easy to look at somebody and say, well, their decisions put them in that position. You know, if they hadn't done this, this, or this, they wouldn't be in that position. And so uh, that's, it's, it's only fair. They, they, they got to deal with the consequences. And I'm not saying that sometimes that's not the case. And, and here, I'm going to make my point here. In a second, let me let me finish with what King Benjamin says, and then we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, King Benjamin says in verse eighteen, then I say unto you, O man, whosoever doeth this, the same hath great cause to repent. And except he repenteth of that which he hath done, he perisheth forever, and hath no interest in the kingdom of God. For behold, are we not all beggars? Do we not all depend upon the same being, even God, for all the substance which we have, for both food and raiment, for good gold and for silver and for all the riches which we have of every kind? And then he says, and you have just been begging just now. You were pleading for Heavenly Father to forgive your sins, and he did so, and he sent his spirit. Then he says uh, in verse 21, and now if God, who has created you, on whom ye de- are dependent for your lives and for all that ye have and are, doth grant unto you whatsoever ye ask that is right, in faith believing that ye shall receive, oh then how ye ought to impart of your substance that ye have one to another. Then he says, if ye judge the man who putteth up his petition to you and your substance that he perisheth not and condemn him, how much more how much more just is your will be your condemnation before for withholding your substance, which doth not belong to you, but to God, to whom also your life belongeth. And he says, I say unto you, woe be unto that man, for his substance shall perish with him. And now, um, and so he, King Benjamin basically says, he's basically saying, look, it's not your position to judge. And as I read, as I read verse 17 today, I had never read it this way, but it is so full of, um, it's really someone who is putting themselves in the place of being a judge and determining what's right and what's wrong and determining that it's their job and they are the sole ones that you get to choose who receives of their substance and who doesn't. And then later he very clearly makes it, he makes it very clear that it's not your substance. You know, in verse 19, we depend on God for everything that we have and all of our riches. In verse 22, he says, um, uh, you'll be in condemnation for withholding your substance, which doth not belong to you, but to God. And, And so I think the key really is, it comes down to, 
as we are, as we see people who are in need, as we see those who are begging, uh, whether figuratively or literally on the side of the street, as we see those things, our responsibility is to remember that we are a steward of what we have been given. It's not our substance. And so it's our responsibility to do with it what God would have us do. And so we need to seek the Spirit. We need to know what we should do. It reminded me of a quote I found a few weeks ago from Brigham Young that I absolutely love along this lines. And it really tied into this idea of it's not your substance and you need to do what God would have you do with it, not what you think you should do with it. Uh, Brigham Young says, all we have to do is try and figure out what the Lord wants us to do with what we have in our possession and then go and do it. If we step beyond this or to the right or to the left, we step into an illegitimate train of business. Our legitimate business is to do what the Lord wants us to do with that which he bestows upon us and dispose of it just as he dictates, whether it is to give all, one-tenth, or the surplus. So Brigham Young just fairly clearly says, you know, the only thing we have to do with our, our uh, material possessions is to figure out what God wants us to do with it and then go do it. That's all. So as I'm walking, as I'm driving, and I see someone sitting on the side of the road with a cardboard sign, am I just supposed to immediately give him money? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I think you could read this this way, but I think even more key is I need to know from the Spirit what the Spirit, what the Lord would have me do. I need to be in tune with the Spirit so that I can know how I'm supposed to serve that person. And you know, one of the thoughts that I had. And this isn't inspiration or revelation. I mean, I think it might be for me personally, but I'm not saying that it's something that you need to do. Um, but for me, as I was reading this, I had the thought. My wife and I, each month, we have a certain amount of money um, that we designate as as fun money. It's money that, that her and I can do whatever we want with it. Um, I, I've joked with my wife as we were talking about this. I said, she goes, well, what do you mean whatever we want? I go, I mean, if you decide that you want to drive down the street and throw it out the window, it's your money. You can do that with it. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Like you can do whatever you want with it and I can do whatever I want with mine. And I realized today that I, what I should do with mine is I'm, I'm going to start keeping um, some amount of money. I don't know how much, but some amount of money in cash in my wallet at all times for the sole purpose of giving. For the sole purpose of giving in some way, shape or form. Whether that's I see somebody on the side of the street with a sign saying that they need food or they need money for gas, and I, I make the decision to give them five or ten or fifteen bucks, uh, you know, I'll probably have it in in fives and tens uh, so that I can I can split it up easily. Or whether it's um, I decide or I feel prompted to um, pay for the person behind me in the drive-throughs meal, or you know, whatever it is. But for the sole purpose of giving, for the sole purpose of that when I see someone who is in need, that I can help them. And that's the prompting that I received as I read this. Your prompting will be different. You might be prompted to do something else. But I think it's important that we, that we are ready, that we're willing, and that we're ready and able to do what the Lord wants us to do with our substance and with our, our means. And to seek the Lord and to understand from him what it is that he would have us do with that money or with that with those means, whether it's you know any sort of means that we have. What would the Lord have us do and then go do it? And then I think it's interesting in verse um, 24, 
he says, um, he says, I say unto the poor, ye who have not, ye who have not and yet have sufficient. I mean, all ye, all you who deny the beggar because ye have not. So he's saying, look, if you don't have the money and so you don't give the money or you don't help the beggar, he says, I would that ye say in your hearts that I give not because I have not. But if I had, I would give. And the thing that I, I noticed there and I thought of there was, um, you know, even when we lack material wealth or material means, it doesn't mean that we have to lack a giving attitude. And it's very important for us to remember that we, we can't fool the Lord. The Lord knows whether we're not giving because we don't have it or whether we're not giving because we're being greedy or selfish with what we have. And so it's very important that we're clear about that. And again, I think it's seeking the Spirit and having the Spirit help us to make that decision. And then in 26, I think it's interesting because King Benjamin ties this idea of service and of giving and of uh, imparting of your substance to the poor. He ties it very directly to receiving a remission of our sins. He says, um, for the sake of these things which I have spoken unto you, that is for the sake of retaining a remission of your sins from day to day, that ye may walk guiltless before God, I would that ye should impart of your substance to the poor, every man according to that which he hath, such as the feeding as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and administering to their relief, both spiritually and temporally, according to their wants. And I thought it was interesting that he uses the phrase wants, not needs. He doesn't say, uh, you know, you 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 um in part of your substance according to their needs. And I think it's because it's not our job to judge. It's not our job to judge what they need or what they don't need. It's our job to be compassionate and to be kind and to serve and to give. It's not our job to say, you need this or you don't need this. Our job is to love and to serve. I think that's important. And this verse reminded me of, of the parable in Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35, the one, you know, the unmerciful servant, the one that is forgiven the 10,000 talents and then, um, you know, throws throws another servant in prison because he owes him 100 pence. Um, and we've all, you know, many of us have heard that story. And, we, you know, we it was studied last year in, in the New Testament. But it reminds me of that. It's like, look, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, you need to serve. You need to love. And I thought, you know, if we want blessings, if we want compassion, if we want forgiveness from our Father in heaven, we need to give. We need to bless others. We need to be compassionate. We need to forgive those around us. And then 27 uh, has some very practical information as far as um, basically King Benjamin saying, now, look, I'm not saying to go give away all your money so that you can't pay your debts and you can't take care of your family and you can't provide for your day-to-day needs. All these things need to be done in wisdom and in order. We need to be diligent. We need to, you know, it's not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. And he says it needs to be done in order again. You know, wisdom, I thought of Hubie Brown's quote, um, that I'm going to paraphrase because I can't find it right at this moment, but it's basically that wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. And then diligence and order made me think of the fact that you shouldn't do it haphazardly. You shouldn't give haphazardly. You shouldn't do so without a plan or recklessly so that your kids can't eat or you can't provide for their education and, you know, those types of things. But you need to be focused on, on doing what you're supposed to be doing. And again, it comes down to, for me, following the spirit and understanding as Brigham Young says, what the Lord wants us to do with what we have in our possession and then just going and doing it. And to me, that is so 
unbelievably clear and it's such amazing counsel. And I think if we follow that, we'll be okay. And follow the promptings that we receive and seek guidance in how to utilize the things that we have been given. And if we'll do that, the Lord will bless us and teach us what we should do. And we'll be all right. Things will go well. So those are the things that I, I read in Mosiah 4. There was a lot. Um, I had to run through them pretty quickly because I had some other, I have to get to work, <laughs> to do some other stuff. Um, but I hope that was helpful. I really, really enjoyed uh, this chapter. And I love the, the practical advice from King Benjamin um, and how he ties it into the spiritual um, needs and the, the things that we need to do spiritually. So you can get the links to everything we talked about today at, in the show notes at everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M 51. And we will see you in the next episode. All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org.